Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Hallelujah. Can we, can we lift our hands to Jesus and thank Him and bless His holy name? We thank you, Father. We, we honor you. We stand in awe of what you're doing. Nothing compares to your goodness. Nothing compares to your mercy. We do not take this opportunity for granted, Lord. We, we come to sit at your feet, to learn, to learn, to glean of, your, of yourself, Father. We are grateful. Lord, I'm humbled by the opportunity to speak to your people. Thank you, Father. To you be all the glory. So you'll be all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Praise God. Um, permit me to say a few things. Please do have your seats. Permit me to say a few things before I get into the word tonight. I want to specially, specially thank uh, Reverend Jerry. And I want to say this. I came into... I think the first time I came to preach here, uh, I told him, I came into Ghana by road many years ago on that NGO platform. We went to the House of Parliament, we went to see the late former president Jerry Rollins in his house. You know, we came as a delegation. But when, I, when we got into Accra, that's Kwame Nkrumah circle there, you know, the Lord spoke to me, says, You will preach in this nation. The doors will be open and you preach everywhere. And uh, I, well, took a hold of it. One thing I've learned about prophecies is never force them to happen. So I just took it and left it there. And um, many years later, we connected supernaturally. I can't even say how we connected, but we connected supernaturally. And I'm beginning to see that word come to pass by His grace. So I want to say very publicly that I'm grateful to you for the Lord using you to bring that word to pass. I'm, I'm deeply grateful. And, um, <laughs> and when I got into the town, I want us to, to please appreciate uh, our Father Reverend Emmanuel. Let's, let's give him a hand. We, uh, with a father like him, we are safe. We can't be stranded. Um, but when I got in, for the very first time, he gave me a call. And um, he greeted me. And I was telling him, from just greeting, he began to prophesy. That's the truth. He's, he's never done that. We've met many times. And uh, he said a specific word. I won't say it, but it was a specific word. And uh, I have, I've been traveling to preach for a long time. I've preached in 14 nations of the world. I've never... And sincerely, I, do, I don't say this. You know, there are way pastors talk. So sometimes you don't know if it's the truth. Uh, but this is the truth. I've never been, been honored the way I've been honored on this trip. Um, and it's very clear. Uh, everything I'm wearing now, everything, except the tie. No, no, that's the truth. From my shoes to my shirt to the suit was provided from this nation. And I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you. When, 
When I showed my wife, he says you look different. I said, no, I've never worn this kind of suit before. But, but now that I'm in the midst of fathers, I have to upgrade so they can, so I can be in the same picture with them because I perceive when they enter the picture, there's something is different about this guy. We need to help him to come to our level. And, uh, but I'm deeply grateful. Um, I'm deeply grateful because um, many times, uh, my, my father is a pastor. I've, I've been a pastor's child and I've pastored for 13 years. Many times, ministers of the gospel are not honored as much as they should be for the labor they put in. It's not about the clothes. It's not about, but just, just the knowing that people appreciate what you're doing. We know that all we're doing in this life is so that the Lord can tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. But for all the years we will spend here, a little thank you can help us just go a bit further. And so I want to say thank you. Thank you so much from the depth of my heart. And um, I'd recommend two books. Uh, I see that a lot of people walk past this small book, The Berean Believer, Becoming a Student of the World. And I know why people walk past it. Because they don't want to become students of the world. So I want to recommend everybody get a hold of this book. It just teaches you basic ways to study the Bible. It's, it's very, very important. Okay? I made it small so it's easy. It, there are two different study methods here. Just to encourage you to become a student of the word. And when I teach, that's what I try to inspire. I try to inspire people to study the word. Okay? And then prosperity and increase. The missing link. Um, I wrote, there are five chapters here, but four chapters are important. I talked about prosperity and hard work. You find a lot of Believers can be lazy because all they want is anointing oil, hand on their head, offerings on the altar, and they expect God to give them all the riches in the world. That won't work. Okay? That's why a lot of people sometimes feel frustrated. And I talk about frugality. If you don't know how to manage resources, the Lord will never put you in places to manage resources. The first person who taught savings in the scripture was Joseph. He taught Egypt how to save. So saving is not a bad word. Sometimes I tell people, if the Lord wants to sell this whole nation for 10,000 CDs, and he says, it's only one offer, would you have that to pay for it? You know, so opportunities will come and you need to save. Then I talk about skill. There's a level of wealth you can only access as your skill increases. There's a level, and then you come to the place where you are so skillful and you are paid per hour. You're paid per consultation. You're not just paid for nine to five but for the value you bring at a time. That's why consultants sometimes earn more than people who work daily, because what they're bringing is skill. So if you want to increase your wealth, just increase your skill. It will do that. And I talk about relationship. God will not give to you what he has placed in the life of men. What he gives you is men. And what is in their life, you have to be deliberate about that to get it. So I'd recommend these two books, and I'm trusting the Lord that it is, it's going to help you. Amen. Can we get into the Word tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, yes, um, on Friday I talked about the church. Okay, so unfortunately I will not be able to talk about heaven uh, because I want to be very systematic in the teachings. I don't want to rush everything together so but this evening i want to talk about the kingdom so if you were not here on friday please make sure you get the message on friday it's important because it leads us into what we're talking about so we're talking about the kingdom 
Now, I particularly like the, the, the theme of this conference. And I think I told Reverend Jerry a whole lot that I love the theme. Because over time, we have almost grown up in a culture where when we go to church, we are almost, we are almost going with an expectation to always get something, not to learn something. And we need to orientate that a bit. We need to make some adjustment to that so that people will begin to see the church not just as a place to receive something from God, but as an educational center to train believers in the ways of God and in the understanding of scriptures. And so you rarely find things like this in our, in our meetings, and that is the truth. If you check most of our meetings... It's either on breakthrough, open door, success, favor. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But what that does to us is that it almost removes the educational aspect of Christianity and the training aspect of Christianity. And so you find that believers carry a Bible they really have no knowledge or understanding about. And, and the average, I might be wrong, but sometimes the average Christian cannot even tell you the fundamental tenets of Christianity. Are you following this now? So, it's important that when I see meetings like this, especially being a Bible teacher, it excites me because it pushes me to even study. You know, there are things they will give to you. You don't need to study. I mean, you just come and say, I say, God will do it. I say, God will do it. He will do it. Now, the question I'm asking myself is, how will God do it? Why will God do it? When will He do it? How will I understand that it's God doing it? Because if we don't have these questions, we become frustrated by prophetic words. So the goal of scriptures, first of all, is education before impartation. Because impartation must rest on the foundation of proper education so we don't fall into lying signs and wonders. Are you following this now? So, uh, so we're looking at the kingdom. The, the Hebrew word for kingdom is markot. Now the word markot appears 91 times in the Old Testament. Appears 91 times in the Old Testament scriptures. And it's translated... Kingdom 51 times. So it's translated kingdom 51 times in the Old Testament scripture. Then it's translated as reign. R-O-E-I-G-N. To reign as a king reigns 21 times. Then it is translated as royal 13 times. As a realm 4 times. And as an empire 1 time. And as an estate 1 time. If you use the King James Version. So... Uh, when you put all of this together, it gives you an idea of what the kingdom is. Okay? Reign, royal, realm, empire, estate. Now, it's important for us to understand something. That the scriptures, and I said that on Friday. The scriptures is written from a Hebrew perspective. And that is foundational. We cannot understand the scripture from an English mindset. In fact, our concept of king in the modern English time, does not fit into the scriptural concept of king, kingship. Because our concept of kingship right now is mixed with democracy. So, so even though we have kings, they are not actually kings, you know what I mean. Because their powers are somewhat limited because they are kings within a democratic setting. So, what you find out, especially within our culture, especially the African culture, is that we have kings who, if you look at it in reality, are still, they are still under the precedence. 
Because if the king does something that is not within the constitution, the president can either take his, I don't know if that's how it works in Ghana, but in Nigeria it can be like this. The, the president can actually take his staff of office. Alright? But that doesn't work. Because in kingship, the king is supreme. So if you bring your English mindset to understanding the kingdom, you will miss it. Because you are growing up in a democratic setting that has a little bit of kingship. Okay, now, the Greek word for kingdom, we talked about the Hebrew word, the Greek word for kingdom is basilia. Basilia. Now, the word occurs 162 times in the New Testament scriptures. In the, in the King James Version, it's translated kingdom 161 times, and then the remaining one time is translated ring. So, if you read the King James Version, it uses the word kingdom purely. So, there is a whole amount of this word kingdom in the Bible. Now, the kingdom of God has been God's central idea from Genesis. God, Genesis 1.26, let's start from there. We must understand, and this is very crucial, this is very crucial. I'm going to make some statements today, they, they will be a bit heavy, like Reverend Jerry will say, sometimes it might sound a bit confrontational, but think deeply on it. That in Genesis 1.26, the central foundational idea for man was never heaven. Was ne- there was never a promise of heaven in the first two chapters of Genesis. Foundationally, foundationally, it was an expression of God's image to have dominion on the earth. That is why you find out that even in the teachings of Jesus, the mention of heaven is limited and the mention of the kingdom is more. Because the central predominant idea for God is the invasion of the earth with his kingdom. That is God's idea. That is the idea. Are you following this? We will go through scriptures. Genesis 1.26 Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, we understand something. God's creation in the beginning was in his image and likeness. Please pay very close attention. When Satan came to tempt man, he tempted him with the image. Because he says, God knows if you eat this, you will be like. So it was an image issue. It was an image issue. Because God, because Satan knows that once that image identity is taken out, you cannot function in the kingdom. That is why when you go to the book of Hebrews, the Bible now says about Jesus Christ that he is the express image of God. Why is Jesus referred to as the express image of God? Because Jesus is the second Adam. 
The first Adam was in the perfect image of God until he fell. But then the second Adam, which the Bible refers to as the last Adam, is the express image of God. So, I'm just going to the end of my message and I'll come back. So, when we become born again, the scripture now says we are in him. What that means is that when a man gets born again, he's restored back to this state of Genesis 1.26 because he is now in Christ and Christ is the perfect express image of God. So, Jesus coming to the earth was to undo what Satan had done, not just by delivering us from the power of darkness, but translating us into the kingdom of his dear son so we can carry the exact image that God originally wanted in the book of Genesis. So that's why the scripture said in Hebrews that he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Because if your DNA, you've got two kids, their DNA must be the same in the sense of they come from you. If they check your first child, there must be the DNA that corresponds with you. If they check your second child, they must, they must uh, see the DNA that corresponds with the father. That means that you can have ten children, but their DNA must match your DNA. You don't have to be ten fathers. Just one father can give birth to many children who carry the same DNA. And the DNA that the believers carries is the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, He sent forth His Spirit into our hearts, and by the Spirit, if His Spirit bears witness with us, then we are the sons of of God. Okay, so that's the end of the message. So let's build. Okay? Exodus 19.6. So let's, let's build now. That's the scaffold. Let's put some building to it now. Exodus 19.6. Let me tell you this. If you understand this message, you will walk in dominion. You will know that nothing on this earth is impossible. You see, Satan will be rendered powerless. Demons will not be your problem. You will know that the image of God is walking on the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nothing will become impossible. Faith will, will, faith will become natural. You see yourself as God's child. Your language will change. You will talk royalty. You will think royalty. The thoughts of failure will disappear. You will be bold on the inside. You won't be telling you, confess you are rich. Say you are. No, no. You, you will just know that all things are yours. Glory to God. Exodus 19.6. Let me show you this now. It says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. That means a kingdom made up of priests. That's what God... So, when God took Israel, listen carefully, God took Israel to show. God always works by prototype. And let me tell you this, if you understand God's working by prototype, you understand how to excel in life. You see, what God does, let me give you an example. Everybody's coming to this church. God can take someone in this ministry and bless them supernaturally, financially. When God does that, God is just telling you that this is what I desire to make common. God doesn't, you see, God doesn't, does not lift people to punish other people. God lifts people to show an example that this is possible. That's it, that's it, that's probably right. So, when God took Israel as a nation, it wasn't necessarily to show other nations that you see you people, you guys are stupid. No, God is not like that. God is redemptive in thought. So, he takes Israel and says, I will use you as an example so that other nations will see that if they allow me to govern them, this is what will happen in their life. But the problem Israel always had was that they always envied other nations. 
And that's the problem of Christians today. You see a Christian envying an unbeliever who is not born again, who has money. Instead of asking God, how do we get money in this kingdom? You now be... Are you following what I'm saying? God's idea has always been a prototype. So what happened is, when Adam failed, God needed to give a human example that it is possible to be the image of God on the earth. So he now released Jesus to partake of flesh and blood. And the idea is, it's not when you read about Jesus in the scripture, you are wow, whoa, Jesus. Woo, Jesus. That's not the idea. The idea is, if you see what Jesus is doing in scripture, you see what you can do because Jesus is the firstborn. The firstborn among many brethren. That means, if Jesus is number one, you can be number one million and one, but if your elder brother can do it, then you can do it. So in Jesus, we see what real humanity is in the mind of God. Are you following this? Yes. <laughs> Reverend Jerry said something. He said a good father is not afraid to call his son's friend. What did Jesus call his disciples? He said, I call you no longer servants, but what? But friend. How many of you pray and say, I want to go talk to my friend? See, religion will not allow you to do that. But he, no, he says he's calling you friend. I'm not saying don't stand in awe of Jesus. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But Jesus is showing you who you are. That is why when he was in the world, he says, I'm the light of the world. When he was living, what did he call you? He says, you are the light. Do you realize that when Jesus says you are the light of the world, that's the same thing he said about himself. So what he was actually saying is, who I was in the world is who you should be in the world. He says, Philip, have I been with you so much? And he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So we ought to say, if you have seen me, you have seen Jesus. Do you actually realize Jesus says, whosoever sins you remit, I will remit? That's a strong statement. <laughs> Let's not even go there. But that's a strong statement. That you have the legal authority to offer forgiveness. And that is why a Christian that lives in bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred can never experience the blessing of God. Because God, through giving us the gospel, has given us the authority to offer men forgiveness. So what do I do? I find a man in sin. I share the gospel with him. And I lead him in the prayer. He accepts Jesus. Even though Jesus is not there physically, through me, that man has found forgiveness and has entered the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can give you an example from scripture, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was doing arms, and, but he was not born again. And God had to speak to him by an angel and say, go and speak to Peter. Now, why didn't the angel just preach the gospel? No, angels were not created in the image of God. Angels cannot preach the gospel. Angels are not mandated to preach the gospel. In fact, the scripture says the angels desire to look into what we have. So Peter was called. The scripture says, as Peter was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell. What, 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 what am I saying? For God to get Cornelius' household saved, he needed to get a man to come and share the gospel with them. That's the privilege that God has given to us. So, we, we're looking at prototype. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, let me go quickly because of our time. But this is concept of prototype is very strong. Now, let me, let me pause here a, a bit. You realize... That the reason Israel began to disappoint God 
is when he, they now said, give us kings like other nations. Because actually, God wanted to be their king. So they were to operate a theocratic government where they just function with God. But then they said, no, we want to be like other nations. You see, the problem of believers and the church have always, liked, have always been wanting to be like the world. That's just been our problem. Wanting to be like the world. No, we are here to change the world. We are here to show the world what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So we have that responsibility to spread the kingdom. And what I'm talking about goes beyond spreading the church. I thought about the church in Prophetian Church, and I, th- I think I thought about the church on Friday. It goes beyond spreading the church. It's part of it. But, this, but actually, the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. Because the kingdom of God is the original idea of God. And it goes beyond the four walls of the church. Because all the men that God used to release his kingdom on the earth in the Old Testament, none of them was a pastor. Daniel changed the worship in Babylon by living godly principles. He didn't start a church. In fact, Daniel was in government. But he brought the influence of the kingdom upon Babylon until the whole of Babylon was commanded by Nebuchadnezzar to worship God. He did what today no church has been able to do. There is no church that has been able to change a whole nation to worship God. Joseph in Egypt was not a pastor. Are you following this? So, when we have this understanding of the kingdom, like you were prophesying over my brother, if he becomes a member of the parliament, he knows he is going there as a kingdom man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, he knows his number one agenda is kingdom. And if we don't teach our people kingdom, they will use their testimonies to oppress others. Because when Joseph came, why am I going this way? But when Joseph came, he he says, no, 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 no. What you intend for evil, God made it, turn it around for good. He says, so that I will go ahead of you and feed many people. So he did not see his position as a prime minister, as a testimony. He saw it as an assignment. When you think kingdom, your position becomes what? Assignment. It's not just, praise the Lord, I just got a job. No, the next thing is, what's the assignment on the job? What's the assignment? And if we, if we think that way, we will be humble by default. Because you recognize that, listen, I got here because God wants to get something done in my life. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Let's look at when Jesus was teaching them to pray. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The church needs a bigger revelation of the kingdom, my brothers. I tell you. You know, this topic excites me. It excites me. You see, this competition we find everywhere will reduce. This materialistic, huh? where we boast in the things of the world. You know, you know, I think, you know Abraham will be ashamed of us today, the things we share testimonies about. The man will be ashamed. The man had, Reverend Samba, the man had 318 trained servants in his house. 318. That nations came to capture his 
a brother Lot, he took his personal trained servant and went to war against kings. The man was not speaking in tongues. No cell leader. No bishop over him. The scripture says Job was the greatest man in all the east and he feared God. He feared God to the extent that Satan testified that I can't touch him. He was not going for deliverance. He was not casting demons. The man had a walk with God that even when all those things were taken out, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. It wasn't a sticker he bought in church. That means the man had a walk with God. And you know what? By the time God visited him, the scripture said, Job had twice. How can a man start as the greatest man in the East? And then he goes through a period and God visits him and he says he had twice more than, in fact, the scripture says his daughters were more beautiful than the ones he had before. That means if you look at the new daughter, I will say, well, thank God those ones died. You hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying to show you in all of this? That the things we boast about today are things that people with a lesser covenant walked in. And yet, God said, that was not enough. There's something more. That's why today, salvation is the greatest riches of the New Testament. Are you hearing this now? Look at Matthew 6, chapter 9. Let me establish this. Matthew 6, 9. <laughs> Man, God is going to do incredible things through this conference in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Okay? It might look like we are not prophesying over your lives. It might look like we are not speaking words over your life. But the seed of this message, it will stir you into greater places that in your life you thought you would never get to. And when you get there, like Joseph, you will know that you were born for such a time as this. You know what Esther, Mordecai told Esther? He says, listen. He says, if you will not do what God brought you here, he says, God will raise salvation from another. Because the kingdom is bigger than you. If God puts you in a place and you feel, because God has put me here, you don't do what God will raise another. Oh, yes, God will raise another. You know the way God, you know the way God humbles people? Huh? You know the way God humbles people? God will leave you where you are. Hmm? That's why right here. Huh? You have, let's say, this is an example. This is not for Disciple Nations Church. But let's say a person starts a church. And he's 100. He feels he's the biggest thing. God will not reduce you. No, God doesn't do that. God is redemptive. God is a good God. He will leave you with the 100. He will now raise somebody younger than you and give that person 200. You see, by the fact that that person has 200, by the law of nature, you are ready. Your 100 is still there. But you are small. God did not reduce you. No, he didn't, he didn't touch you. That is why sometimes stagnation is not good. You, when you are stagnated, you should ask yourself, am I doing something right? Because God is about increase. God is about fruitfulness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this. Matthew chapter 6. Let's get into this. Verse 9. It says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. So, in this prayer, Jesus separates the, he separates heaven and the kingdom. But he tells us that our greatest desire is that the kingdom should come, not that we should go. You've got to follow that now. It's not that you should go to the kingdom. He says, no, when you pray, your desire is that the kingdom will come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we put these two scriptures apart and we put it side by side, we can, we can also just say, without going too deep, that the kingdom of God is the will of God. And that God's will is that his kingdom comes on the earth. That means God has an agenda for the earth. And that agenda is that his kingdom will influence the earth. We must not forget that. You see, let me tell you something. You need to be careful of this, especially when you go into eschatological teachings. This earth belongs to God. We always make it look like heaven belongs to God, earth belongs to the devil. No, 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 no. Psalm 24 tells us that clearly. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all the people that dwells in it. This is our father's land. It's our father's property. It's our father's earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not giving a room for the Antichrist. The devil doesn't have a lease on the earth. We're the ones in charge. We don't, we don't walk about the earth like, let me just take this small space. No, no, because I don't know what will happen so that tomorrow I will go to heaven. They are not in a hurry to get you. Stay here. Get the job done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, when people die, they say, oh, God just gave another angel. God doesn't get angel by death. He doesn't need you to be an angel there. He's not understaffed. Matthew chapter 3. It was a careful of concept to throw around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Now in the days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of John saying, or Judah, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, that word there, is at hand, is very important. Some translation says has come near. So this is an example. This is what it means. The word repent is metanio. It means to change the way you think. You see, repentance is not crimes. Repentance, when it comes to the message of the kingdom, is not tears. Because you can cry and you don't know. You know, you, 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 know, you can flog a child. The child is crying. You now say, do you know why you are crying? Or why I'm flogging you? He doesn't know. You know, you can repeat the mistake. So, repentance here means change the way you think. In fact, the unjust Bible dictionary put this, meaning to change one's mind and purpose as a result of after knowledge. That's what repentance actually means. Repentance actually means that I spend time communicating with you, and then after knowledge, you now change the way you think. Let's, uh, I know Reverend Jerry is a marketer. Okay? Now, he is a marketer after four years of them inundating his head with marketing knowledge. So, when Reverend Jerry sees a book, hmm, before now, if he sees a book, he can just say, this is a book. Alright? 
He can say, but now when he sees a book, he has repented from seeing a book the way he used to see a book before he went to school. He can now see a book and see how can we sell it? Will this make for good sales? Is this size okay? Are you hearing? Is the pricing okay? But a lame man who doesn't have that knowledge will just say, it's okay. If they don't want to buy, they should leave. No. So, but when you now have knowledge and you change the way you think, you have repented. That is why there is no genuine repentance without preaching of the gospel. Come, Jesus will solve your problem. Is not the gospel. You know that's not the gospel, right? Uh-huh. No, no, you, you, just be clear that that is not the gospel. Let's be clear on that. Let's not even go there. That's not the gospel. Come, Jesus can solve all your problems. It's not the gospel. There's no good news there. The good news is the gospel that Jesus came to redeem man. That is an after effect. Of, we need to be careful. That's why when people come to church, most of them have not heard the good news. The good news actually is the fact that there is the moral depravity of man. That no matter how good a man is, if he is not saved, he is not born again. That's why they can use bag of rice to deceive people today. And you see he's a good man of God because he's distributing rice. No. Philanthropy is not the gospel. Bill Gates is helping nations. Bill Gates is not a preacher. We need to be clarifying on all of these things. It's unfortunate that we have to discuss these things. That a man can be good. See, <laughs> oh God. God told Cornelius, He said, Your prayers and your arms have come up to heaven. He said, But go and hear the gospel. You are not my child yet. So God said, This guy is a good guy. He's praying, he's giving. But I can't. So let me arrange somebody to preach to him. So God had to send angel, a man that's not born again. Gave him somebody's address and name. God had to go and speak to Peter. Look at the efforts God made for Cornelius to hear the gospel. Because if Cornelius dies in his arms giving, he is not born again. That's why we must not hurry people to give their life to Christ. They must understand the message. Don't be in a hurry. You can even teach people and say, listen, go. Come back tomorrow. I know we like to threaten people. As you are going now, if you die... Don't threaten people. Don't, 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 don't. Allow them to. See, see, I'm telling you, it might look, it might look, but don't hurry people. Let them understand the message because this is a lifetime journey. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not by threatening, it's by the explanation of the gospel. And then there is a repentance and a conviction that is birthed. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What was, what was Jesus? What was John the Baptist preaching? Why was he preaching that? Because the Jews understood what he was saying. Now, Mr. Samuel, come. Let me give you an example. Mr. Samuel, please come. In those days, when the king is coming, right? When the king is coming, the queen, you hold the queen like this, maybe the right or the left, I don't know, but somewhere. All right? And then, when an announcement is coming, talking about kingdom now, they will say, let's say the king of so, 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 so is coming and the queen at hand. They don't announce the king and Mrs. No. They just say, let's say the king of Ashanti region is, has arrived and the queen at hand. 
What it actually means is that the king is coming with the queen. The queen is near the king. Now, what that means is not that when the king arrives, the queen will come. No. The king and the queen arrives at the same time. Thank you, sir. So, when John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was literally saying the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, we must understand something. Whose arrival was he announcing? He was announcing the arrival of Jesus. Which means that when Jesus comes, the kingdom will come with him. So, he was preaching. You know, he was preaching before Jesus came. So, he was announcing something today. And they, and they were understanding this thing. Because when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they understood. He was talking about a realm, a rule. A new culture is coming. Now let's go on. Mark 1 5. Mark 1 5. Are you still here? Are you learning something tonight? Alright. Mark 1 5. Let's look at this now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now this is Jesus. Mark 1 5. Now, look at verse 1, Mark 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus. Okay? The Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And all the country of Judah was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem, they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing what? Their sins. Now, go to verse 14. Now, after John had taken, was taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee doing what? Preaching the gospel of God. So, the gospel of God, look at it now. Go to the, the next verse, verse 15. Now, John the Baptist was preaching. Okay? Jesus picked up that mandate and he now says it's the gospel of God. Now, what is that gospel of God? Look at verse 15. Saying that time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. That is the good news. That the good news is here. The arrival of the kingdom that John the Baptist preached about is here. So you need to change your mind and believe in this gospel. Why is it the gospel? It is the good news that the kingdom that man lost in the beginning has now been restored. And you need to repent from Judaism. Stop thinking about God. From that Judaistic way of thinking and come into this message. Now I will explain it further. So the Bible calls the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. Go to Mark, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. We'll see what Jesus preached here. From that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we discovered that Jesus' central message was the kingdom. That's what he preached. 
He didn't preach so many things else. Even his parables were based on the kingdom. What was Jesus trying to achieve? He was trying to change the mindset of the people. Now, let's go on. Matthew 4.23. Looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. See, he was traveling, preaching the kingdom. Jesus didn't preach anything else. You know the one question you ask yourself today? How many of our messages are kingdom oriented? How many of our people actually understand the kingdom? Know the kingdom? We just throw the phrase out there. But many people do not have an idea of what it is. Are you following this? And this is something we should study. We shouldn't assume. We should study. We should investigate it. Look at this. Matthew 10, 7. just want to show you some things from the life of Jesus. This was... Now he was commissioning the twelve. Let's read from verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samarians. Now these are very important instructions. Why was he saying don't go to, the Galilee, to Galilee and to Samaritans first? Because you know, until his death and resurrection, other people cannot come into the kingdom. This message at this time was restricted to the Jewish nation. Because it is after his resurrection that others, the new covenant takes effect that other people can come into the covenant. That's why Paul always talks about to the Jews and what? To the Gentiles. So it was after Jesus resurrected that every other nation, anybody who now believes in him, can now be qualified to be the Son of God. But when he came in as the Messiah, his work at that time was restricted to the old covenant. I, I hope you know that while Jesus was still on the earth, the old covenant was still functioning. And that is why after Jesus healed some people, he would say, Go and show yourself to the priest. Because even though Jesus was the Son of God, he did not have the right to allow those people into the Jewish community, the priest had to certify that they were eligible to come into the community. So, the, 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 the law, because Jesus came to fulfill the law, so the law and Jesus, they were operating side by side until after his death and his resurrection which abolished the old covenant. Now, pause here, just a bit of church history. In fact, the old covenant was actually literally aborted in AD 70. Why AD 70? Because that's when the Roman general Antiochus Epiphanes got into the temple and destroyed the temple and sacrificed a, a, a pig on the altar. But that was not even the main thing. Uh, in fact, the genealogical records was completely destroyed. The temple was completely destroyed. So, you actually cannot prove today that you are a Levite. Because the records with which you are, you are able to prove that you are a true Levite was destroyed in AD 70. So, AD 70 was the physical, um, the physical symbol of the destruction of the old covenant that brought into conclusion everything about the old covenant so that the new covenant can come into place. Okay? That's just extra information. Put it somewhere. <laughs> Praise God. Now, Matthew 10, 7. Look at this. So it says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
So Jesus was preaching this message. You know what he did? He said, when you go, preach this same message. Don't preach anything else. Just say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was he saying? The kingdom is near. You guys change your mind. You're waiting for the kingdom. It's here. It's near. The kingdom is here. Don't think it's far. We still have Christians today who who think that way. They still think that way. No. No. The kingdom is here right now. It's not even near for us again. We are in it. Glory to God. Look at this. Luke 9.2 Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Are you, are you learning something? Yes. Alright. Luke 9, 2. Look at this. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Verse 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Now, I'm going to show you why every time he talks about the kingdom, healing comes. Let me tell you now, but I'll show you from the Bible. It is because... Disease in the human body is an infiltration of the authority of God. So when the kingdom of God actually comes upon a man's body, the kingdom ought to take total and absolute control over that body and sickness is not meant to coexist with that body. That is why, because in Genesis 1.26 there is no sickness. That's why every time he teaches them, he now says, you heal. Because right now, a new kingdom has actually invaded this temple. So if there is anything called disease, it ought not to coexist with this kingdom. Somebody didn't get that. You know, that's your key to long life and divine health. I say it with, with... Absolute humility. Apart from a few headaches here and there, it's been maybe 15, 20 years that I've had any bouts of sickness. Can't remember being on the hospital bed in the last 15, 20 years. Can't even remember. Admitted, no. Thousand times no. And every time I have headache or some of those little things, I can, I, I, I can sometimes easily identify the source. Okay? Either I stress. Or there's something I'm not doing right and I go before the Lord. Because that opens a window for sickness to come in. You can absolutely live in divine health just knowing that the kingdom is here. Are you hearing what? Just knowing the the kingdom. These things can't exist. It's not part of the kingdom. If in the old covenant it says, I will take away sickness from the midst of thee. In the new covenant we don't entertain it. The day you start treating sickness like sin, it will change your mind. Because it's the same blood that washes your sin that heals you. That's why sometimes Jesus will say, your sins are forgiven. The person will be healed. Or you say, okay, which one is easier to say? How many of you saw when I lay hands, when I prayed for people with pains on Friday? You saw how I, the pains went? It's understanding of this message. It's not, a, it's not a style. I didn't learn it from anybody. I just know that I have an authority of the kingdom. So if there's something, I just ask it to leave. It's not by struggle. You know, out, eat, out, until you are now telling yourself, out. They now, the demons now say, is it you, you want to go? Oh, that you're stressed. You don't do that now. You don't do that. You are not casting demons. You now say, give man of God water. Give man of God water. You have shouted until you are thirsty. I say, come out. Do you know who I am? And then you are discussing with demons. Demons say, I don't know. You say, you must know me. Say, no, I don't know. You say, you must know me. Are you mad? He say, man of God, don't curse. He say, shut up. I don't do that now. You are, you are, you are just acting drama. I hear what I'm saying. It makes us look powerful, but it's actually lack of understanding. 
I am. It makes all, it makes you look. You know when you come and say, man, ah, spiritual warfare. It's not easy. Ah. <laughs> then it will make you look you have worked hard. No, work hard in your knowledge so you reduce the physical exercise. The hard work is in knowledge. The hard work is in understanding. The Bible said they casted out spirits by his word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why some people's church will never grow. Because if casting out one demon is taking you that whole length of time, God will feel sorry for you that, ah, if you give these people, if people 50 demon possessed persons as once, they will die. So go, you know what I'm saying? See, we have authority. Let me tell you, let me tell you, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. You see, watch it from today. Once a demon-possessed person, watch it now. Once a demon-possessed person walks through those glass doors, they will be free. I'm telling you. It will just start happening. Yeah. That's what will happen. They will just walk in. You will hear the testimony. They will just tell you, ah, pastor, this thing you saw, but immediately I came into church, I was free. Watch it. You begin to hear the testimony. Nobody will need to fall down. They will need to throw up nothing. You know what's happening? Because by teaching this message, we have established this place as an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. There is immunity. When you run into the embassy of another country, you cannot be arrested. That's kingdom immunity. There are some things you should not expect. You know, people walk around their house. I'm wondering, ah, demons are in this house. Your house? How do you say such things? How, why do, how? <laughs> Let me say like my brother, how? How do you say such things? You and demons in one house. You, the scripture says, Savior shall arise out of Mount Zion. Do you know that he never told the disciples, when you are sick? No. He says, you lay hands on the sick. Because he was not expecting them to be sick. <laughs> he said, go, heal the sick. Do you also realize, I need to finish this. Do you also realize, Jesus did not say, pray for the sick. Let's, let's pause. I know because now, I know he said, hey, it's okay, take it easy. Just finish what you want to be. But you know Jesus never said pray for the sick. The only time you see praying for the sick is in James. Where he says, call for the elders. And you know James was still operating with a very strong Judaistic mindset. You know what Jesus told the disciples? Heal the sick. You know what Jesus was actually trying to say? You don't need to ask me to get the sick healed. Hey! You already have the authority. You go get the job done. Because the price for their healing has already been paid. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like, it's like on, on, on Friday was uh, Pastor Percy's birthday, right? And then uh, Pastor gave them a ticket to, what's that, what's that now? Alisa. He gave them a ticket and said, go to Alisa and have a meal. Then they get to Alisa. And he said, Pastor, we are there now. Pastor, can we eat? Pastor, please. No, no. The ticket is in your hand. The, your, bo- your knowledge that this man is able gives you boldness. When you go there, even though you have never eaten there, you say, give me that table. He says, no, he says, that table I want. So I have my ticket. That's what happens when you meet a sick person. When you say, in the name of Jesus, you are not appealing to Jesus to heal the man. You are showing your ticket. That you know what? In this name, I have authority to cast you out. So that's how you pray for the sick. 
You are not begging God to heal the sick. In fact, let me touch your theology a bit. It's not like when you pray, that's when God will heal the sick. He has done it. The price is finished. When you start praying and start exercising authority, you are doing what James says. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man makes power available. So the amount of power you make available towards the sick is actually the amount of power you have knowledge and authority in. I'll tell you something. If you see anybody walking in miracles, they will tell you that, see, sometimes they don't even know how those things happen. But by their lifestyle and their knowledge and understanding, I mean, I can tell you this, right? Let me tell you something. If you get one, I don't, maybe this is going to help someone because this is not in my message, but if you get one deaf person ear opened, right? It will just start flowing in your ministry. That's why, and I can practice this right now. I can call anybody with pain to come and I'll speak over them and the pains will go. I can practice it right now. You know what? I do it all the time. Have you observed? Those of you that I preach it. So over time, my confidence in the area of getting people with pain is easy. But if you bring somebody that is deaf now, hmm? and I'm like, ah, did I pray before I prepared for this meeting? F- follow what I'm saying. Did I pray? No, I did not pray. I think when Pastor Jerry wanted to carry me, I was angry. What am I doing? I'm condemning myself. I say, no, 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 no. When I become big like Bishop Dark, what am I doing? You see, all those things I'm doing, I'm suppressing the power of God. Then, when I go and pray, I say, let's just believe God. You know, God does not heal all the time, but I'm just forming. To... Now, the same power that took away those pains is the same power. Just make it available. So, what should a minister do? And the Lord taught me this. What should a minister do if you want to increase the healing anointing on your life? Meditate on healing all the time. Spend time in scriptures. Make until those sicknesses begin to... De- That's why you observe something, right? If your members have headache, they'll pray for themselves. If the child has fever, they'll call you. The same power that took out the headache can take the fever, but they just say, no, 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 no. This one is special. And then you, you are a guy on fever. Say it's fever, yes. Then when they now say, somebody with cancer, say, ah, let's call our father, Reverend Samba. So in our mind, this is going to help someone, in our mind we have already graded the sickness. And that affects the flow of the power. That's why anybody in the healing ministry will tell you that the first thing to get anybody healed is courage. Courage. You see a blind man, in the name of Jesus, open, and then you, Courage. Because it's not even you doing the healing. It's the power of God. Are you still there? Alright, let me run this quickly. Acts 1, 3. Come on, somebody is going to walk into a supernaturally healing ministry in the name of Jesus. Give me a moment. Both of you come. Both of you, quickly. You and your wife. Bishop Michael, come quickly. Lift your hands up. Haha. <laughs> Nengros, sources. That was for you. Leko Shodo Master. Lift your hands up, sir. Mendre do Shodoboko Soto. Yeah. No more. Get somebody behind them quickly if you can. Melo Jose. No more fear. <laughs> oh, new waves of miracles. <laughs> new waves. <laughs> new waves of miracles in your ministry. Signs. Wonders. Wonders. <laughs> Wonders and signs. No more fear. Oh, no 
no more fear. Yeah, yeah. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Well, glory to God. Well, step in and be bold. Thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Prophet Clement, the Lord has been speaking to you about miracle meetings. Miracle meetings. The Lord has been speaking to you. And you've been delaying. But that word is for you. That word is for you. Where you go ahead and plung in and launch in. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spend time meditating on healing scriptures. Oh yes, oh yes. And feed your faith where that is concerned. Don't just look at the results. Well, obey God and the glory of God will be revealed. Yeah, yeah. Whoosh. <laughs> Hey, there will be a new wave of the glory. There will be a new wave of the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man, I tell you, there's such an anointing in this place here. Reverend Samba, I hear these words not many days from now. Not many days from now. It will not take long. Shanga Zavarida, not many days from now. Head of Rono Senekistos, Sesene, Sesene, Nenkosule Estasesoso. I see like a staff of authority in your hand. Oh, Shuvreda Hade, Zozomahane, Nahahe, you know what? Yeah, someone will say, well, you're very influential and you have influence. But the Lord said, no, no. Ah, I was testing you. Oh, back a door, so, so, so far. So watch what will happen in the days to come. Oh, yeah. Greater level of authority. Greater level of authority. I tell you, there's something about authority coming upon your life. Yeah. It'll start in the spiritual, but it's going to be natural. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it will be in the natural. A staff, a rod, a rod of authority is being invested in your life. It's an investment of heaven. Shula. Shula Mates. Shula Mates. Shula Mates. Ina Sosta. E Klatos. Hey, Frosesa. Not many days from now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for a moment. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Oh, Shabre Jose. Oh, Shabre Jose. Glory to God. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Let's see here now. Acts 1, 3. Thank you, Lord. Acts 1, 3. Praise the name of the Lord. We've got like 10 minutes. Let's get this done. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Thank you, Lord. Acts 1, 3. Now, so we know that Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God. He told his disciples to preach the kingdom of God, right? Now, Acts chapter 1 verse 3. The first account, let me read from verse 1. The first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, look at this. To these also, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. This man was preaching the kingdom. He told the disciples to preach the kingdom. He resurrected again. He still kept on preaching things pertaining to the kingdom. If you were killed because of the message, when you, if you manage to rise, will you not keep quiet? If you rise, you were preaching a message. It was because of that kingdom they killed you. If you rise, you say, thank God. But he continued. 
Why? Because that's the key. That's what God wants to do. Since, do you know God has an agenda for this earth? God doesn't just want to carry us and go to heaven and leave this earth deserted and all that. No, God has a plan. He's got an agenda. God's got an agenda for media. He's got an agenda for business. Do you think God is happy with the rate at which the world is going? This is his property. It's our father's property. If we are more concerned about the kingdom than heaven, we will think differently. And I say this to you, and I say it with all authority. The emphasis of the church, of heaven over the kingdom, has raised people's mindsets who are more of escapists than domineering people. And that is the problem. So all they want to do, oh, one day, soon and very soon. Why we hear the trumpet? You people will die here. They just want to know, this is our father's property. This is our father's earth. The nations belong to God. The nations belong to God. The earth and the fullness thereof. We are the ones in charge. We are the ones to dominate. Not just you come to church to be trained, to go out there and dominate yourself. There's a kingdom that should invade the earth with different set of values. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now look at this. Let me show you something quickly. Luke 17. So let's do a bit of theology in 10 minutes and I'm done. Luke 17. So you need to follow me now. Oh, glory. Man, I'm excited. (laughs) This message is going to go far and wide. You are going to pick it. You are going to leave it. Hallelujah. Luke 17 and verse 20 to 21. It says, now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Let's, give me some time. Let me spend some time on this. But everything the church teaches about the kingdom is signs. That's where we first get it wrong. Because Jesus said, the coming kingdom is not with signs to be observed. But anytime we teach on the kingdom, what do we teach on? The signs. But look at it. It says, no, we they say, look, here it is. Or there it is. For behold, see, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Wow. You know what? <laughs> Interestingly. Interesting. This, they ask him when it will come. He says, it is in your midst. They are asking him for the time it will come. He tells them what you are waiting for is already in your midst. Some translation uses the word near you. Some translation, in fact, the Amplified says, is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus was trying to say, and you know why the Pharisees were asking about the kingdom? They actually were waiting for the kingdom. Do you remember when Simeon held Jesus in his hands? He says, I've seen the consolation of Israel. What is the consolation of Israel? The Messiah that was coming to redeem them. Now, in their minds, they felt the Messiah will redeem them from the Roman Empire. 
Are you following that? That a kingdom was going to emerge and it will redeem them from the Roman Empire. So their understanding was that they were going to be redeemed from the Roman Empire. And Jesus is now saying, repent about what you think about the kingdom. It is not a redemption from the Roman Empire, but the kingdom is actually an invasion of the Roman Empire while the Roman Empire is still existing. So you have to think again. Now I'll show you. Go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. Let me show you. Daniel 2, 44. Are, are, are you still here? Make sure you get the, 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 the MP3, okay? And listen to it again. Daniel 2, 44. Thank you, Lord. Now, we, we don't have time. So, we, uh, if you look at... Uh, the image of um, Daniel, the Nebuchadnezzar, when he had that dream. Okay, go to verse 44. In, in, um, no, go to verse 41. In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, in as much as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. So, as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as the iron does not combine with poetry. What I was trying to say is that in the days of the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire will have the steel. The Roman Empire was hard on Christians. Nero was hard on Christians. It's going to be tough. It's going to be weak. But look at, that's not where we're going in history. But it says, in the days of those kings, in the days of which kings? In the days of the Roman Empire, the kingdom, the God of heaven, we set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out without hands. Now let's pause here. This was what the Jews were asking of. That the prophecy says in the days of the Roman kingdom, God will set up a kingdom. So when is God going to set up the kingdom? Jesus now tells them, that kingdom you are waiting for is already among you. Because Jesus was the stone that was cut out without human hands. Which means Jesus was the seed of the woman that came into the earth without the natural process of a man uh, impregnating a woman. So Jesus was the chief cornerstone that was cut without human hands that would crush the Roman Empire. And in the days of the Roman Empire, God will set up his kingdom that would endure forever and ever. So they were waiting for a physical establishment of the kingdom and Jesus was now teaching, well, you renew your mind because the good news is that the kingdom you are waiting for to be set up is already in your midst. If you repent and embrace this mind, you will get into the kingdom and you would leave the kingdom. And that's why the Roman Empire was afraid of Christians. They dared Caesar. They dared Caesar. I mean, people were getting converted. We're having their lordship to Jesus. And God was setting up his kingdom. 
Until today, many believers still wait for a physical kingdom. Instead of renewing their mind and knowing that the kingdom is here, we can walk the kingdom daily. And I'll show you from scriptures. Show you from scriptures. Go to Matthew 21 for me quickly. Let's do four more scriptures. Matthew 21. Let me land this plane. Matthew 21. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. Thus, this came about from the Lord. And it is marvelous in our eyes. What came about from the Lord? The chief cornerstone. Not from human hands. The chief cornerstone came about from the Lord. And this was also recorded in the book of Psalms 118 verse 22. Look at verse 43. Look at verse 43. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. Did you see what Daniel said? That the kingdom will not be left to your hands. It will be given to a people. So what was Jesus saying now? He says, listen, since the Jews did not understand and embrace this, the kingdom, John 1.10, he came to his own and they rejected him not. But as many as believed, he gave power. The word power there is exousia. It's right. It's not dunamis power. It's the legal right to become the sons of God. Now what he was trying to say is, since you did not understand and embrace this message, other people are going to come now and get born again and embrace the message and the kingdom that is supposed to belong to you will now be given to these other people do you follow that all right i'll show you something again matthew 12 let's do three more scriptures matthew 12 28 don't worry this is my finally paul had three closings paul will say finally and now write three more verses so this is my first finally a good preacher must have three closing uh matthew 12 so let me just do two, two scriptures and then i can close Matthew 12, 28. Um, are you still here? Yes. Are you learning something? Yes. Matthew 12, 28. Thank you, Lord. So, Jesus was casting out demons. We know the scriptures. I don't want to go there because of time. Look at what Jesus said. He says, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Oh, something is happening now. So he's telling us, he says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has come upon you. How come my casting out of demons by the Spirit of God brings the kingdom? So he's now telling us again, that if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has come upon you. How, how does that happen? Paul explains this to us. Romans chapter 14. Let me read quickly. Let me do little talking, much reading of scriptures. Uh, Romans, where is my Romans? Romans, Romans, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Thank you, Lord. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Now, I don't have time because my time is exhausted. I want to still be invited back next year. Uh, <laughs> when he says meat and drink, he's not just talking about physical food. The meat and drink he was referring to was the Jewish festivals. That is why Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 that no one should, should hold you in bondage to drinking and days and festival. And Hebrews chapter 9 verse 10, if you have time you can go and read it. So the meat and drink there he was referring to was part of the Jewish festivals. And those don't touch these, don't eat this, which was the Judaistic system. So he says the kingdom of God is not defined by those Judaistic systems. He says but righteousness. 
So let's do this. Let me not rush this so you don't miss it. Let's do this, right? It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Okay? So if you take not eating and drinking, if you take that out of the verse, right? So it means you can read it straight up without that, right? For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Does, does, do you understand? Because if I say the kingdom of God is not... That means I'm saying this is not it. So I can as well take what is not it out and say what it is. So I can say, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? Are we correct? Okay. Now, what's the functional word there? I don't have time to show you in scriptures, but write those scriptures down. The the kingdom of God is not the religious system of the the Jews, right? But is righteousness. Hmm? Is peace and is joy. But what is the functional word? In. In. So that means the righteousness, the peace, and the joy is in the capsule of the Holy Ghost. And that is the kingdom. So when you receive the, the Holy Spirit, you have received righteousness. You have received peace. You have received joy. So when you got the day you got the Holy Ghost, you got the kingdom. That's it. Because, so when he says, when I cast out spirits by the Spirit of God, the kingdom has come upon you. Paul now says, actually, when Jesus cast out spirits from you, he brings his righteousness. He brings his joy. He brings his peace. That means the Holy Spirit is the carrier of the kingdom of God. That is why the kingdom of God can exist on this earth parallel to other human kingdoms and through us by righteousness, peace and joy, God begins to invade the systems of the earth and it does not come with physical observations because the Holy Spirit outside of the day of Pentecost comes no longer with physical observations. So you cannot say here there is, there is. So from the day Jesus came on earth and the ministry of the Holy Spirit started, the kingdom of God is on the earth. You don't have to die to get to the kingdom. It's inside of you right now. So the kingdom of God came fully on the day of Pentecost. Are you following this? So when Jesus was actually telling them, pray that the kingdom of God will come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was telling them to pray for the day of Pentecost to come. The day of Pentecost came 50 days after Jesus resurrected. 50 is the sign of Pentecost. That's the feast of Pentecost. The feast of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, the kingdom came. And everything the kingdom carries, it's in you now. It's not a place you go to. It's something that comes upon you. And through the Holy Spirit in you, you can execute the will of God as it is in heaven. Can we be on our feet? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. If you have any form of sickness, any form of pain, right now we release the power of the kingdom upon you. In the name of Jesus, let there be an infusion of the glory of God. Oh, can we pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment, please? Let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Man, de le de de boko shataba ha. 
It's in you right now. The Holy Ghost is in you. The kingdom is in you. Everything in your life that does not represent the kingdom is broken in the name of Jesus. Any health issue right now Any health issue right now It's broken, it's broken Fears of generational curses It's broken in the name of Jesus Limitations and stagnations They are broken in the name of Jesus You're the redeemed of the Lord You're the redeemed of the Lord Oh Shilemahari The kingdom Oh saints of God This is the message this is the message. It's the message of God's power. It's the message of His righteousness. It's the message of His peace. It's the message of His joy. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. Glory to God. Oh, oh, oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me tell you something. Go back home and meditate on this message. I've lived this all my life. I've lived this all my life. This is God's habit. It's the kingdom. It's bigger than the church. It's bigger than our pet doctrines. It's bigger than our needs. God wants to invade the earth. God wants to invade the earth. Come on, my sisters, I, 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 I challenge you. You know, sometimes when we get into church, we just settle down. You know, I want to get married to a nice man and just settle. Don't settle. There is an invasion we need to do on the earth. The first person who preached the message is a woman. Jesus, after resurrection, told, he said, Mary, go tell Peter and my disciples that I am risen. The people who looked after Jesus in his death, they were women who went to anoint his grave. Come on, women need to rise to a greater purpose. That's why you see today, all the media wants to do with our sisters is expose them. And make them objects of, of, of sexual perversion. What is the enemy trying to do? To rewrite what a woman stands for. And so when we say woman, everything that comes to our mind is sex. And we need to change that image. Some women need to rise up and invade media. And invade that territory. And begin to become models of righteousness. Models of purity. Somebody say, God help us. God help us. God help us. To invade the systems of this earth. Glory to God. Man, I'm challenged tonight. Let's take this pattern. Let's run with it. Let's run with it. This thing is bigger. It needs to invade our nation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And everything that puts fear in your heart, let it go. The kingdom can meet your needs. The kingdom can supply what you need. Glory to God. Come on one more time. Let's thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, we honor you tonight. Take all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Sorry, my apologies. I went beyond my time, but sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.